at Jared, we know devotion isn't a once a year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted. Presented by BP Bronx. My name is EJ Fagan, and tonight I'm joined by Derek Alban. Hey, EJ, what's going on? And Scott Moss. Hey, guys, how you doing? All right, we're gonna, we're strapping in for a, a a big episode. We got some injuries to talk about. We got a, we got the draft that's happening as we speak. Uh, we've got uh, we're gonna do a little bit big you know big picture farm system kind of stuff. Uh, but uh, I gotta ask you guys your reaction first reaction to the bad news today. Jordan Montgomery will undergo Tommy John surgery. Will miss the remainder of this season and likely all of next season. Uh, Derek, what'd you think? I mean, obviously it's a bummer. Uh, you know, that's the, kind of the fear that you have with any young pitcher um, or any pitcher really, young or old. And obviously, you got the worst news today that we'll have Tommy John surgery and might not be back until 2020. So the Yankees obviously already short on pitching depth as it is. That's a, a big blow for a guy who might have been, or initially was thought to perhaps be back by the All-Star break. Now we won't have it all for the rest of the year. Uh, so, Scott, so Jordan Montgomery, I, I, I am, I, I'm puzzled by Jordan Montgomery at the moment because everything that I know about Tommy John surgery suggests that he should not have been the guy to get Tommy John surgery. Yes, so why did he get Tommy John surgery? <laughs> Help me. <laughs> because the universe is cruel and uncaring and hates us, the Yankees, but mostly Jordan Montgomery. I don't know. I was going to say the same thing. You know, great minds think alike, and so do we, which is that the risk factors for Tommy John, near as we know them, are it's throwing hard and having garbage mechanics. So, oh, it's throwing hard, garbage mechanics, and too many innings. He is none of those things. He is a lefty with, you know, I'm not a scholar of pitching lineups and motions, but he seems like he's well-regarded for knowing what he's doing out on the mound, so he doesn't throw that hard. He's not a guy with a crazy delivery. And I looked up his innings. He, in the past three years, has thrown these innings. 134, 139, 155. None of those break the bank, and none of those are big jumps. So it just goes to show you can try to, I guess, as a wise man once said, you can't predict baseball. Yeah, it's depressing. I liked Jordan Montgomery. I, I don't know about you guys, but he was, you know, he was kind of that underdog pitcher that was better than we thought he would be, better than the sum of his parts. And it's really sad to see him go down. Um, I guess we'll see him in the middle of the 2020 presidential primaries, <laughs> uh, which is depressing. Uh, but uh, uh, now that he's gone, we have to talk about the implications of him being gone. So, Derek, I'm going to give you a scale of 1 to 10. So one being the Yankees don't need to make a trade for a pitcher. Ten being the Yankees need to go out and like overpay for the best pet possible pitcher they can find in the market tomorrow. Uh, what's your level of concern and, and how desperate would you be if you were Brian Cashman to trade for a pitcher now that Jordan Montgomery will not be coming back to save us? Well, at first I was about to say ten until you qualified it by saying uh, overpay. That's Yeah, it was, ten is desperate. 
Yeah, so I'm definitely not totally desperate. I don't think you want to get to that stage. Uh, but I would say probably a six or a seven. Definitely got to get somebody, but I would not break the bank um, unless we're talking about like, you know, DeGrom or Bumgarner that we talked about, we spoke about last week. Scott, what, what's, what's your rating? Ten. Ten? I'm really worried. After Severino, it's really looking dicey. And at the beginning of the year, I was really bullish on their rotation, but Tanaka's now in year two of pushing five in ERA and fifth this year, too. Gray, I don't know, enough said. Uh, has really started to wear down a bit, and this is something that I worry about a little bit with old pitchers because remember how Kita was the Bartolo Colon, looked awesome for the first couple starts of the season? He's garbage the past several. And you wonder whether guys of their age and also their build, where frankly their knees are you know, dying on them, are just not likely to last well through a season every fifth or sixth day. So I'm actually not seeing anyone I would trust in the playoffs other than Severino, and I'm not seeing a rotation of even average starters after Severino. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think Sabathia. I'm kind of okay with him being our third or fourth. Like I'm okay with him starting one game in a series at this point. I, th- I think he's got that. I think that the Yankees could give you know could get five innings out of him, and then the bullpen can handle the rest. But I'm I'm with you guys. I'm I think the Yankees need to trade for two pitchers, and that's not that's not good. That's that's pretty scary at the moment and every team in baseball knows the Yankees are going to need to trade for those pitchers um so yeah that's 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 the bad news I don't really have think I have any good news to add on to there we talked about which pitchers to trade for last week so I don't want to I don't want to focus too much on on those pitchers who 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 they should trade for I will say that junior Jordan Montgomery Josh Rogers is still kicking ass down at AAA (laughs) hashtag free Josh Rogers Rogers 63 innings pitched across 11 starts, 3.29 ERA, eight strikeouts per nine, 2.3 walks per nine, one home run per nine. He's just waiting to be promoted. I don't well, I think this is this is sort of a test for Boone, maybe one of the first early hard tests he's going to have, which is that the rotation is looking really suspect, and the guys he might have to bench or replace. There's Gray, whom they traded a lot for, and has talent and could have a future. But he's killing him a little bit. And, you know, taking Sabathia out of the rotation, if they do it, if they trade for two guys like you're saying, that would be a tough move to take. Uh, but I think that you're right. They need at least one, maybe more than one. By the way, CC's last four starts, 24 innings, 16 earned runs. Wow. Um, so I, I, um, I w- want to ask you two questions, one about Sonny Gray, one about Domingo Herman. We'll start with Domingo Herman first. He's looked kind of good his last couple of starts. Um, I didn't realize this, but the, the broadcast team uh, on his last start against Baltimore noted that although he he didn't he only lasted three and two thirds innings against um, uh, against the Angels. Um, I believe they said that he he got more swinging strikes during that game than any any Yankee had gotten this you know uh, this season so far. Um, and you know the guy has you know uh, you know has before that a, a start where he went eight innings. Last night he went six innings. He didn't walk anybody. Is Domingo Herman? How optimistic are you, Derek, about Domingo Herman right now? I, I like him. Um, I know he's um, had a couple of, you know, so-so starts of late. But I, I heard the same point that you just, you know, reiterated about the swing and miss stuff. He's got some. He's got a nasty changeup. He's got a really good breaking ball. The issue with him is command, and on the days that his fastball he just can't locate, he gets into trouble. And I mean that's not totally surprising for a young pitcher. Uh, I think he's definitely capable 
of of being an effective starter and the it's just a matter of can he you know command his fastball enough to work on the to work off of those breaking pitches also the stats that i just quoted uh not not the swinging strike stats but the other ones are sunny gray <laughs> not because that's the next question i'm going to ask uh so no domingo Herman did not go eight, eight innings against kansas city that was sunny gray so scott Sonny Gray's had two of his last three starts have actually been kind of good, and it seems like he's starting to work out of his problems. I mean, is our how concerned should we be about Sonny Gray? And you know, is there a pretty decent chance that he looks like Sonny Gray for the rest of the season? I think there is. I think at the same time, and this is some of the back and forth you see in Twitter arguments, and like we can simultaneously be really, really concerned, red alert, DefCon one, but also think he deserves a long rope. Because this is a guy who not long ago was, if not at the present Severino total ace level, he sort of was the next tier down. Like any team's number two, some team's number one starter. And he has the stuff. He can do it at times. Um, I honestly don't know what it is, but when you have a guy with that recent track record, um, a lo- as long as he's not hiding an injury, and I think the Yankees are pretty savvy about when guys are doing that, then you just give him a long rope and accept the look. He's had 11 starts. And some of them have been okay. So we're really talking about a half dozen uh, ones that are bad. That's actually not enough to um, certainly dump the guy from the rotation. Yeah, and, you know, he gave up some a lot of runs against some pretty good offenses too, which I think kind of, kind of encourages me. The Yankees, I think the Yankee pitching staff might look a little bit better in the second half or, or heading into the second half of the season because they're, they're not going to be facing Boston and Houston every other day. Um, and and the Yankees have had that really tough run you know run of competition so far um, against just really strong offenses. I want my interleague play right. I want my plays against the AL Central, etc. And uh, and th- those are coming. But I want to move on. Yankees sent down the Yankees sent down Tommy Canely to the minor leagues. They stated that they were sending him down not because he was bad necessarily, but because they wanted him to get his arm strength up, and that would not be possible. Um, uh, in the major leagues, they couldn't really get him any reps to get his arm strength up. Uh, so, um, Derek, I'll, I'll ask you first. Do you believe that? Uh, I mean, his velocity is definitely down. He's throwing 94, 95. He's averaging this year. And, you know, historically, he's been an upper 90s guy. Uh, so I, I partially believe that they want him to build up his arm strength. Whether that's something he could actually do is another question. But he's also been terrible. I mean... Came back, he got knocked around, he was not pitching well before his disabled list stint. There's a little bit more to it than just building up arm strength, and I, I am a bit worried. I mean, you got to be worried about him, considering that his velocity is down as much as it is uh, compared to last year and years before that. And he could be hiding an injury. I mean, that's what I'm worried about. Possible. Um, uh, Scott, do you regret the trade that sent uh, uh, sent what, Blake Rutherford and some other things to the White Sox for David Robertson, Tommy Canley, and Todd Frazier? No, because it served a need for him at the time. I mean, even if they don't get any more use out of Canley and Robertson's here and better than, I guess, not having him, the next guy, Giovanni Gallegos, whoever, then they still got a real shoring up of the bullpen last year when they needed it. They were a good team. And they didn't really give up a tremendous amount. This isn't like the Cubs giving up Cleaver Torres or, um, you know, the Indians and Clint Frazier and Andrew Miller. So I think that they gave up Blake Rutherford, who 
um, had not really proven much, and he's looked kind of underwhelming since. So if it was just they shorted the bullpen in a really heavy way last year, okay, served this purpose. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you guys there. I, I, I think I think Blake Rutherford's not that good. And so the Yankees got Tommy Canley and David Robertson, who don't look great this season, but for not at a, a huge cost. Uh, but let's move on to the more fun stuff. So we've done the depressing stuff. We're going to do the fun stuff. The New York Yankees entered this season with what many were calling the deepest farm system in baseball, maybe one of the deepest farm systems in the history of baseball. They have graduated to the majors since then. Uh, Glaber Torres, Miguel Andujar. Uh, I guess you could say they've grad- graduated Clint Frazier. He's kind of sticking around. He's not on a prospect list anymore because he's not a rookie anymore, but you, you get the idea. Uh, along with a couple of pitchers. I, I want to ask you guys, big picture, what does the Yankee farm system look like? Is it really the deepest? Does it really feel as deep as people were telling us it was? You know, just that, that deep enough that a few graduations should make much much difference. What are they good at? What are they bad at? Give me your overview, uh, Scott, of the Yankee farm system. Interesting. It's so hard because it's kind of a moving target. As guys graduate, it's weird to think that means the farm system is worse because it graduated top-level talents. I always find myself getting blindsided by that. The teams will go down, the Cubs or the Yankees or whatever. But I'm kind of about as bullish in the farm system as I was. But maybe that's because I'm rolling in still. You know, Torres and Duhar, they're both still rookies. So, I mean, technically any of them could get sent down and still be part of the farm system. Um, so, you know, if you consider those guys and... Frazier, and they still have this bevy of young pitchers down there from um, Abreu, Acevedo, who knows the chance, Adams, Sheffield. There's a lot there, I think, still. I haven't done the comparing and trace of Atlanta or whoever else, but yeah, I think compared to last year, it's a little weaker if you take out a bunch of the guys that have made it up, but I still feel like there's a lot there in contrast to, look, there are teams where, or Yankee teams in the past where, the cupboard's bare. Your holes, you're hoping, are going to get filled by guys who are kind of underwhelming and you sort of exaggerate them into a good player. But I think there are a number of positions where you could see, I hope they have room for this guy. And if you're saying, I hope they have room for this guy more than once or twice, that means it's a good farm system. All right, but let me let me stop you. You sent me an email saying you think it's been a shitty year for the Yankee farm system. Come on, let's be edgy here. So was it has it been a <laughs> shitty year for the Yankee farm system or has it been a, a good year uh, and now we just have to start remembering some new names? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm ending up arguing with myself here, which is how wishy-washy I am. You wouldn't think that I'm the lawyer in this podcast when I'm losing an argument to myself and you tag-teaming me. But I think what we're being reminded is that all prospects will break your heart because the most reliable prospects, 60% of them make it. The edgy prospects, 20 30%. I mean, like we said, Jordan Montgomery seemed as safe as you get. His ceiling and floor seemed like fourth and fifth starter, third to fifth starter or something. And he just blew out his arm. Um, you and I were really big on Tyler Wade. Um, and he, I don't know what happened there. So a lot of guys have let us down. Um, you know, my old favorite was Domingo Acevedo because I saw him at Staten Island. Uh, but he just can't stay healthy. Uh, but there's some guys who are still, you know, moving up or who the jury is still out on. So I think a couple guys have let us down. But I'm guardedly optimistic that that's just that prospects will break your heart. Derek, same question. Good or bad year? I actually would say it's been a good year. I mean, I think graduating guys has got to be considered a good news story. You know, the success of Torres, the success of uh, Andujar. Then, you know, you have Herman contributing a bit at the big league level. Um, You know, Clint Frazier has been excellent in AAA, and, you know, he's just blocked. I mean, he should be in the majors. He just doesn't have a spot. 
Um, sure, there have been some disappointments. You know, I mean, Esteban Florial didn't have a good year, and now he's now he's um, having a wrist surgery, I believe, or hand surgery. I can't remember which. Um, there, you know, not everybody's going to do well. Chance Adams has had a hard, has had a rough year. But to me, the way I look at it is, when you have that many guys graduating and and graduating with success at the big league level, it, to me, it's a it's a really a resounding success. All right, so I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll be the edgy one here. I look at the Yankee farm system and the farm system that is after these guys have graduated. Now that you know, we're essentially moving on to the next phase of the of Yankee prospects. Now that this wave, you know, that kind of started with Gary Sanchez and probably ending with Gleyber Torres and maybe Clint Frazier is over. I think the Yankee farm system, as it remains, it might be deep, it might be great. It's really boring. It's so boring. I am so bored by this Yankee farm system. And it's not because they're not good. It's because the Yankees have 20 guys who are all like high A maybe arms who throw in the mid-90s and haven't pitched a lot of innings yet. And some of them are still in extended spring training. And all of them have a great curveball, but all of them probably have terrible control, etc. And I just don't care. Like I like half of these guys are gonna are gonna go down with injuries. Are probably gonna have Tommy John surgery. You know, another half of the remainder are going to be just okay. And maybe the Yankees get five really good starting pitching pitchers out of the room out of the five that survive. But I just have no interest in figuring out like which of Matt Sauer and Clark Schmidt and Strefer, uh, Trevor Stepan and Cody Carroll and Glenn Otto is the guy. Like is going to be any good. You, you know what I'll say to that though? I think the reason and. And I, I see what you're saying, but I think part of that might be also because the big league team is a lot more interesting this year and last year. You know, from like 2013, 2014, 15, and uh, and 16. I mean, major league team was you know they were okay, but it was much more fun to see you know what was coming. Now it's like okay, these guys are here now. Not really as concerned about who's in the minors. Uh, it's nice to have a good farm system, but I'm not going to get wrapped up in it. Scott, the, the remaining the remaining Yankee farm system is dominated by pitchers. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? That's a good question. I think it's often a bad thing on the whole. There's no such thing as a pitching prospect theory. I mean, you know, Jordan Montgomery, a scary tale that pitchers tell their kids at night. Uh, but I think that they are pretty deep at the major league level in position players. I'm already struggling to wonder what will happen to certain guys from Frazier to Drury to, uh, you know, other guys who may be ready. Billy McKinney, we've sort of forgotten about. Tyler Wade slumps and we're basically saying he's dead to us. We don't need him. <laughs> uh, you know, so I, I think that they're, they're It'll deeper be a white sock in... before, uh, before Jordan. <laughs> right, 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 right. Your twins, their new uh, favorite trading brother. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that they, they're deeper in offense, so they need more pitching. And in a sense, every team needs more pitching. You never really have enough pitchers given the likelihood that any team needs eight starters in a year. And I don't know. I think that um, I was maybe harping on when I talked about what a crappy year it was that guys let us down. But at the same time, you know, if you do little up arrows and down arrows, you got up arrows for Rodgers, Sheffield, and Tate. Um, and, you know, that's just at the double-A to triple-A level. So I think those are guys who are, you know, Rodgers is sort of a high-floor guy. Um, Sheffield and Tate, high ceiling, more risk, especially Tate. I think that's a decent uh, group of three to be the pitchers knocking on the door, even if you know, Chance Adams not making it is, and Abreu and Acevedo being hurt is a big hole. Yeah, and I, my, my thought around this is, like, the Yankees aren't going to need basically any pitching uh, uh, position players for, like, five years, right? <laughs> I, I, the, the Yankees have right field, DH, 
maybe first base, definitely second base, shortstop, third base, catcher, and wherever Clint Frazier plays, figured out, right, for, for the foreseeable future. I, I think any top uh, hitting you know, hitter besides maybe a first baseman and maybe a center fielder slash, you know, wherever Clint Frazier's not playing is, right, destined to, to be in Clint Frazier's or Brandon Drury's current position, right? You know what they should do is they should trade for Dustin Fowler. I hear good things about that fellow. Yeah, yeah, we, we, <laughs> could, we could use that. That's, that's the one that got away, I think, in that uh, for that trade deadline. I think um, you and I last so, year didn't get why they were much more willing to give up him than Floreal, if I remember right. You know, I get Floreal's ceiling, but Fowler looked like he was a major league center fielder already. Yeah, I think Floreal is the, the sexy pick, and Fowler's the... Okay. Floreal is the pick for your heart and Fowler is the pick for your brain. We'll go with that. And uh, I think at the moment we could use a Fowler, even though Hicks has been picking it up lately. So, so we can talk about that. But moving on to the draft, I mention all of this because the MLB draft started yesterday, began today, and the Yankees, I think, picked a very interesting set of hitters, which is something they have not done much in recent years. So in the first round, they picked Anthony Siegler. He's a, a high school catcher slash switch hitting switch catcher switch hitting catcher slash switch pitcher who can write with both hands uh that's their first pick uh their second pick was josh bro as our friends at river Eye blues pointed out uh was read at the draft by none other than nick swisher <laughs> yeah it, it, get that get that that video if you if you get a chance just I to saw see it, it, yeah, nick yeah. swisher go josh bro um, as Exisa pointed out, it'd be wonder, wonderful if if, uh, if his brother was drafted, Joe Bro. Uh, <laughs> I once had a, a case in which one of my opposing counsel's last name was Butt, and the <laughs> endless fun we had with that one. And his initials, the first two initials of his first and middle name were S and then L, and we realized that S L Butt means he's the Butt in Spanish. <laughs> so we just had endless fun with that. So I was sort of scoffing in this Swisher, and then I realized I was running a whole legal team where we were joking about the word Butt. I once worked with a wonderful activist out of India whose last name was Happy Pants. <laughs> <laughs> How can she you was be, wonderful. I, she was great at her job, but I just had to giggle every time. Uh, and the pressure if, if you get her in a bad mood, because how much of a jerk do you have to be to get Happy Pants in a bad mood? I, you know, I, I never met her in person. I, 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 heard, I hear she's, she's wonderful, um, <laughs> and I wish her well. Uh, Ryder Green, an outfielder, uh, for, for the third pick. Uh, so I want to ask you guys kind of first. So what's your reaction, overall reaction? I don't know who's next. Uh, Scott, to the to these these three players is kind of your three big picks in a draft. I have trouble grading drafts in part because, A, I'm not an expert, and B, I don't think anyone's an expert. I mean, you gather scouting reports, and there's such high variance in what's going to happen to whom. You know, the if I remember, the numbers I've seen are that the top – Number one pick overall is really going to be a major league player and probably a pretty good one. Two through first couple in the first round or five or ten are going to be really reliably major leaguers. Somewhere late in the first round, it's kind of hit and miss. And then after that, it's really a who the heck knows. So I think we're past the days where some teams scout better than others or analyze better than others. Um, I think one thing I saw, I watched a good chunk of the first round on MLB Network. And one thing I'll say about the draft generally is the number of guys with stories like the first and the third picks were pitchers, college pitchers, who were not drafted out of high school, and then they improved massively. And a scene is, wow, that's really admirable. They were disappointed they weren't drafted. And then there were, there were a lot of other random stories like that. And it wasn't just human interest. It seemed like the days of 
the first round pick being like, like Duarte in pitch, the stereotypical, you know, attitude problem, um, really talented guy or past. I think all teams are being really savvy, not just about scouting, but they're going for makeup as much as anything else. And I think a lot of them are doing it. So, but that's to say when the teams get good, that means all the more it's hard to beat the curve on this. So that said, I loved Siegler and the absurdity of so many things <laughs> from he was wearing a bow tie under his Yankees jersey and he's a, a switch pitcher. And, you know, it's just, you know, crazy. Derek, what is your opinion of the draft so far? I'm just glad they didn't draft uh, Luke Heimlich. Knock on wood, they won't the rest of the way. Um, you know, I don't like like Scott said. I mean, I don't know. Um, I really don't know much more than anybody else would know um, about any of these guys. But you know, I found it interesting. I know that you don't draft. You know, early rounds. You're looking for the best talent, not necessarily what you need. But the Yankees do happen to be kind of thin at catcher in the farm system at this point. So, you know, I found it interesting just from that aspect. I know they're not, again, drafting for need, but um, it, it kind of makes sense in, in that case, too, to get a couple catchers uh, off the board. All right, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to now get a little fun here. So I think the Yankees are trying to find their own Shohei Otani because the three, <laughs> three high school hitters, or the two high school hitters and one junior college hitter, whom they drafted in the first three rounds, all three are legitimate stars pitchers um anthony siegler right he was a switch pitcher which i'm sure they're not going to let him do that but if they do i would just kiss brian cashman on the lips um josh bro throws 100 miles an hour off the mound now he's considered a pretty good though raw both defensive and offensive catcher but he throws 100 miles per i'm sorry he doesn't throw 100 miles per hour off the mound but he throws he, he, he pitches off the mound um and he probably could be a relief pitcher in the major leagues and then Ryder green throws 100 miles or one of them throw okay yeah bro throws 100 miles an hour off the ground green throws 93 miles three three miles an hour with a really nice curveball i think that a lot of baseball players baseball organizations are looking at shohei otani and being like i want one of those uh, especially given how crunched and optimized rosters are these days that player can just be so incredibly important especially when you think about maybe like a backup catcher or a third catcher or something like that that roster spot is just screaming for effective relief pitcher in, in addition to these uh, in addition to those players. So that's kind of my pet theory. I'm probably wrong. I hope I'm not wrong. I really also <laughs> hope I really really just let Anthony Siegler switch pitch occasionally. That's all I want. That's all I want. That'd be wonderful. Um, I my other big picture thought looking at these is one the Yankees didn't get cute. And the Yankees as a drafting team Damon Oppenheimer is a great great baseball person. And he gets cute every once in a while. He drafts Jonathan Holder early. He drafts Cito Culver early. He drafts Dante Pachette early. He drafts Clark Schmidt, who's about to go, who, who they knew was either recovering or was about to undergo Tommy John surgery. The Yankees have a bad habit of overthinking themselves in the first round of the draft. And they had the 24 overall pick, I believe, and they drafted the number 24 player on Fangraphs rankings. I'm fine with that. That is exactly what I, what I want them to do. I want them to pick up a guy who's a potential star, probably not going to be anything because it's baseball and it's the late first round, but has those first round tools and is not just a wasted draft pick for some guy who's going to flame out in double A because he can't hit a lick. And I'm happy that they did that. And I think, I think especially with Siegler in the first round, like there is real ceiling to this player. He could potentially be the best player in baseball. He could also, you know, we can never hear from him again in a couple of years. But that's, that's the first thing I care about with a first-round pick. Um, the second thing is 
as I mentioned before, I think the Yankees are really, really thin at position player, all position players in their farm system. Like I have to like I, I wrote a blog post at, at, at BP Bronx a couple weeks ago where I said, like, let's find all of the interesting position players left in the Yankee farm system who are currently playing in games because Estevan Floreal is going to be out for most of the rest of the season with an injury. And my three answers were Tyler Wade. It was like Tyler Wade, uh, you know, uh, Dermis Garcia and I think one other guy like like there was I just had nothing like there there was nothing left in terms of interesting players in the farm system and now they're going to have it and they're they're kind of all kind of timed correctly that as these guys matriculate up through the farm system once they're 22 23 then the current Yankee players will be aging you know aging out of, of being stars approaching free agency all of those things so overall pretty good in the back half of the first round the Yankees did their thing which is college arms and the Yankees are one of the best in the business at finding good college arms whom they can convert to a to relief pitcher who can become the next Jordan Montgomery who can become the next Josh Rogers etc so can I go back to your Shohei Otani theory I, you sorry know, yeah, I got, that, that was I, a lot there it was just no it was just so I really that was so juicy that uh I, I'm torn between I would love to see it, but I'm convinced it would be a pretty terrible idea for a couple oh, reasons. Come on, why not? Because we can a, our way. Otani is sort of a generational talent. I mean, the fact that he can throw 101 and hit the longest home runs on the team, we're tied with Trout, you know, there aren't guys with that raw talent, and you kind of need that level of raw talent to make up for the fact that you'll have a little bit lesser practice going on with both. But there's this uh, reporter for The Athletic who interviewed players about this, um, hey, would you want to do this? Could others do this? And Charlie Blackman actually was a college pitcher. And of all things, his persona is he's kind of a goofball. But he said, it's a bit of the quote, is there possibly a lot of guys could go out there and get people out? Sure. Um, I can still kind of throw the ball where I want to. Um, I also might not get it over the plate, then drill a guy, then have a meltdown. And he adds, um, but as opposed to some guy up there just chucking it, the big leagues are at such a high level, you can't just out-talent someone else by that much, to the point where you can do both. If you make me 6% worse of a hitter because I'm trying to pitch and hit, me minus 6% is not good enough to be a big league hitter. I'm trying to squeeze that 1% or 2% by watching video, getting my body ready, or staying super hydrated, and that all adds up. I thought that was actually unusually thoughtful. And then his, uh, you know, throwing shade at Otani, by the way. I can't wait to see what he's like at the end of the season. He won't be above average on both sides of the ball. Just a guess. So, All right, you know, hold on. Let's let's get Derek in here for a second. Derek, would you prefer <laughs> the the fun route where Anthony Siegler becomes a switch pitching, switch hitting catcher, uh, or relief pitcher, we'll say, uh, or would you prefer the Scott route? I think it'd be a blast to see him do both. I mean, <laughs> why, why not? I mean, let, I would say let him do it as long as it's not you know affecting his catching. I mean, catching should be priority number one, of course. But if he can, you know, dabble in pitching every once in a while i mean i don't see why why not i mean giving it just for just for you know for fun of it um I, I think really though the guy it's even more interesting for is is bro because i think from what i've read is catching is not as great but he does as you mentioned ej he's got the he's got the arm for it and i think Seeger has been able to throw more in the high 80s um so maybe he's not quite as projectable, even though the switch pitching thing is pretty pretty awesome in itself. Um, I do think it's perhaps something. Maybe maybe they'll try with Burrow, but definitely it already sounds like Siegler is just a catcher from uh, day one. Well, yeah, let me go I'm, back. So let me go, go back to it. one thing. I, I want to like hedge on my crapping on the idea, which is this. I think there's a lot less sexy, but I think there's tremendous potential value in this 
not as you're going to be the MVP in the Cy Young because you'll hit 30 home runs and only give up 10 as a starter. I think what I'm really curious to see is that with Rostu so strapped with so many relievers, take these interchangeable righty relievers that the Yankees always used to seem to have 12 of in the minors, you know, Preston Claiborne, George Cantos, Giovanni Gallegos, Kale Gachot now. You know, take any some of those guys who are more athletic. Have him just get passable at the outfield and pick one who is a fast runner. If he's a righty reliever, but also on a day he's not pitching because he pitched the day before, you know, he could be a spare outfielder or pinch runner if someone gets on base or, you know, anything. There's value in that. Or for that matter, let's say Bro uh, becomes a reliever. If he can be the emergency catcher, then you can pinch it for Romine or something on a day when he's playing because you have a real emergency catcher. I think there's value in just the bench depth, but that'd be out of probably relievers, which is a lot less fun and sexy, but it would be cool to see. Yeah, I will. I will say more seriously that I think Anthony Sigler, when when you hear about a guy who can switch hit, switch catch, is considered pretty athletic for a catcher. Kind of, you know, kind of fast. Plays you know plays the infield when he when he's not catching uh, frequently. That sounds to me like a really athletic guy. Yeah. And that that's a good sign, right? That that that's like a that's a versatile player who who you know you know has athletic tools to be successful in the major leagues. Well, because keep in mind for catcher more than for. Most other players, your non-dominant hands coordination is actually huge because that's what you frame with. So I wonder whether the thinking is that you can look at how a guy frames or whether he's smooth behind the plate in college or high school. But it's another thing entirely when you have, you know, Tanaka's splitter, Chapman's fastball, your reflexes, you know, for hitters have to be faster. That's why they're good pitches by good pitchers. But the catcher has to be better too. So I wonder whether they're projecting that. If this guy's non-dominant hand is as good as his dominant hand, it corroborates that he really has the hands for catching. Let me also say that uh, uh, someone gave Shohei Otani a chance back in the day. This is the semi-serious one. Like, like Shohei Otani throwing 100 miles an hour. Someone probably said, "Dude, just just pitch. Like, don't don't DH all the time." Um, but you know, partially because he's a physical marvel, but also just partially because someone gave him a chance, he became you know the most interesting and one of the best players in baseball. And, you know, the Yankees and lots of other teams can take that chance with their third-round pick, right? They can take take that chance with their second-round pick. I'm a little skeptical that you can learn to catch, learn to hit, and learn to pitch kind of all at the same time. Uh, But, you know, if, if, say, he were a second baseman instead or he was an outfielder instead, you know, then then I think it starts to become a little bit more realistic and just kind of just kind of interesting. Um, so we're going to keep an eye on these guys. As I always say during, you know, when, when I cover drafts, like really we'll grade the draft when we see who signs and who doesn't sign. Uh, because, you know, this could all be very different if Siegler decides to go to college um, or uh, or they end up signing like uh, someone who I've never heard of for $500,000 in like the seventh round. And, and that becomes a that becomes a thing. Um, speaking of that, their seventh round pick is 6'8", 245 pounds. So that's great. What does he do? Uh, he is a uh, a right-handed uh, pitcher. Oh wait, there's a six eleven. He that, oh wow. Okay. Uh, well, we have a six eleven one hundred ninety five pound. No wait, it was at six one. That's six one. Sorry, fonts are too close together. We got a six eight guy in the seventh round. He pitches. Don't know anything else about him. Uh, we will learn more about these players as they are signed, as information trickles out. Uh, we will certainly be covering some of them here on the podcast. Um, this has been a great episode. I just want to give you guys a couple of notes. One, um, we are we are likely going to do an episode on Brian Hawk's book, Hawk, Hawk, um, sure. MLB.com beat writer Brian Hawk's book, Baby Bombers. 
Uh, I've got the I, I got the book in the mail. Looks really interesting. Uh, we we don't know when we're going to do the episode yet, but if you want to get your hands on that book, please go ahead and read it. We will cover it at some point. Um, also, please again uh, thank you everybody who who have rated our, our podcast on iTunes since I've been asking for it for these last two weeks. I'm going to ask again. Please rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, we've got a few more five star ratings, which is wonderful. And if anybody wants to leave a written review, I will read it on air and thank you on air because you guys are all awesome. Thank you guys very much for joining me. This has been your Bronx Beat Podcast. At Jared, we know devotion isn't a once a year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted. At Jared, we know devotion isn't a once a year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted.